Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Coming up on Squats and Margaritas. You don't know, is this normal? Like, is this just what you feel? Like, I got on the plane and it was fine. They closed the door to the plane and it was not fine. I started feeling claustrophobic and panicky. Mine was buildings falling over on him. paintings falling down and light fixtures falling down things you've never considered in your life like falling down and now that is taking over your life (laughs) never once have I thought about a light fixture ever like I've never even thought about that right and like all of a sudden I'm taking my stroller and I'm avoiding I would avoid even regular like the incandescent light bulb like the ones that kind of go like you yeah you just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I would avoid it with my stroller and I would like look and I would never put it by painting. Oh. Um, I was always worried about the crib. So I pulled it away from the wall because just in case I yeah. wouldn't change him by the mirror. Like, and the building thing was even worse. Like, big buildings just gave me all like hives. <laughs> like, I was like, Were I. Were you like telling your husband and other people that not to take the baby by the thing? Like, did other people notice what was happening with you? I really isolated myself. Welcome to Squats and Margaritas. I'm Erin Washington, a mom of two trying to balance all the things. I'm a mompreneur, a former college athlete, and a woman that struggled for 20 years with body image, multiple eating disorders, and having no self-worth. I talk to strong, vulnerable, and authentic women and share conversations for other women to feel seen and less alone. If you are looking for tips on how to level up, balance all the things, or just listen and learn from strong, powerful women, you found the right place. This is Squats and Margaritas. Hey, senorita, really nice to meet ya. Have some tequila and stay. This week on Squats and Margaritas, it's Reagan Bregman, mompreneur from Houston. She happens to be wife to two-time World Series champion Alex Bregman of the Houston Astros. And I want to know how the hell she balances it all living in the public eye. She just had a baby. She runs her own fashion line. And her husband is the third baseman for the Houston Astros. It's a lot to manage. I know that she's dealt with a little bit of postpartum anxiety, and I want to get into it. She's so open and authentic and also happens to be a fan of the show. So I'm so excited to have someone who listens on as my guest today. Please do me a favor and hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this episode. And please consider leaving me a review on Apple Podcasts. If there is something that resonates with you in this episode, please, please share it with a friend. Also want to shout out my new book, From Pain to Purpose, Finding Meaning in the Mess, is now available on Amazon. If you get it on Amazon, you can go to my website, squatsandmargaritas.com, put in your order number and download the audiobook for free. Here is my episode with Reagan Bregman. I know you cool. did like a little question on your Instagram and everybody wants to know yes. the same thing. How you yeah. met your husband. Um, I said in the intro, uh, two-time World Series champion, Alex Bregman. We have that in common that we were, I guess, wags is what you call it. <laughs> Wives and girlfriends of athletes. I met my husband kind of when I was going through my mess of just 
disordered eating, having no self-worth. And so then you meet someone who's in the public eye. He was in the height of his career, just coming off of a Pro Bowl season. So I wanted to kind of start with when you guys met and kind of how your self-esteem and confidence was, was it a turnoff that he was an athlete? Like, I know that you, you grew up modeling, like, did you ever deal with kind of like the confidence body image stuff? Or did you meet him as like a whole person that we see today? No, so absolutely not. So I definitely dealt with it growing up because I started modeling, I think around 17 or 16. Um, and I wanted to, like I told my mom, I was like, I, I want to do this. Like I was so excited. It was kind of like a job or a, just something fun that I could do that was creative. And I wanted to do it in high school. So I was like, I made my mom like take me to all, all the, cause if you're under 18, your parents had to go with you to like all these jobs. So my mom always came with me. Um, so I felt like I was a little protected in that way. But once I was like 18 and started doing more of these jobs on my own, I mean, I, in modeling and in every career, you face so much rejection. Like it's just all the time. Someone telling you no, or you're too this, or you're too that, you're too big. I was told I was too big so many times. And looking back, I'm like, I was like 17, 18, like the smallest I've ever been and ever will be. And it just didn't matter in my head. I'm like, those things just didn't matter. But you know, when you're young, you don't understand the full picture and you're kind of confused. Like, well, what, like, I'm too big. Like what? Like, no, and your body's changing. That was like, yeah. my mess was like 16. Like right when we were talking about, I started gaining weight. Cause I got my period late and I was like, Oh gosh. Like, and like you said, like you're too big. So in your mind, you're like, so small is right. Or is what you're supposed to be. This is negative. Right. And like also thinking what I'm supposed to be, isn't what I already am was kind of a new concept to me. Like I grew up with very high self-esteem. I would say my whole life. Cause of my mom, like my mom always was like, honestly, probably too much. She was like, you are just the prettiest. You're the best, all these things. And I started to believe like, Oh, I am pretty. I am all these things. And and once I started facing all that rejection, it was like an instant, like, Oh wait, like all these things kind of hitting me at once. And I was thinking like, well, yeah, why isn't the way I am good enough? And it's kind of like, you start to think those things in your head. And I think that's where, especially around that age, like you said, 16, when you're going through like that age where you start to gain weight or you start to just look a little different than you have and you're becoming a woman. Like it's the coolest thing ever. And I think it's not really appreciated. It's kind of looked down upon in some areas in society. And it's sad because I mean, it's like the best thing ever. And I feel like looking back, I'm, I now being who I am now, I can see like, Oh, that was so wrong. But in the moment you can't really tell modeling definitely um, changed some of my like self-esteem and outlook on myself and all of those things. Can and I, I just ask you, just get into like yeah. how you were obviously raised, right. To have all that confidence. Like what is something as a mom that's raising a seven-year-old little girl that your mom did to instill that kind of confidence yeah. in you? And like, what did she model? Like, was she not on diets and stuff? Like, how did she, how did she achieve that? <laughs> My mom was really not on diet. Like I don't remember her ever being on diets. I don't, this is not a knock on makeup at all, but I just don't remember her wearing any makeup or caring at all about really like she was always very confident in herself. Um, and so I saw that. Right. And then also I feel like the, like the things that she told me, right. It was more of like, and looking back, I would call it affirmations. I don't think yes. she called it that, or would even call it that today, but it was always like, you are smart. You are strong. You are valuable. You are, you know, like all these things that looking, I haven't even thought about this actually until I'm just talking to you right now, but those are the things that she really instilled in me and and said them to me repetitively over time to where like, I started to believe them. Mm -hmm. Um, 
which I think for me as a mom too, I'm like, those are the things I want to do for my son, even though he's a baby right now. I'm like, I'm always telling him little things because I really believe like what we say out loud is so important and it does become what we start to believe about ourselves. It's not just what she told you. She modeled it. And that's like my mission now. I have a nonprofit for teen girls and I talk to other moms and it's like, you think about what to talk to your daughter because that's, that's your daughter and you build her up. But if you are in the mirror, like, oh, she's watching that. You are her model for life and what a woman does. So it's like, I think moms get that part, right? Like, of course you're going to build up your daughter and tell her that, but it is what you're modeling a hundred percent. My mom was always always to this day is still on whatever diet is happening and she'll lose weight. And then it comes back on. And it was never like a, just like a healthy lifestyle. It was quick fix diets. Always. I have to lose 10 pounds. And I was taking that in and someone that's susceptible to an eating disorder. Like I was a firstborn perfectionist, obsessive one. And I had three younger sisters who were in that same environment and none of them struggled. So it's not saying that like your words and how you model it can cause it. But if someone is already predisposed to it, it doesn't help if you're not modeling it. Yes. And especially what you said about being a perfectionist, because I think that's where so much of it comes from. Even with me, I was like, wait, if I'm not this measurement, I'm not perfect or I'm not valuable in this, in this way, in this career, this industry. And that really does get to you when you are a perfectionist. Cause you want thing you're like, Oh, well I could change it. Right. Like let's figure it out. And yeah. that is where things start to go so wrong. Right. Yeah. Because it's like, no, this, this does not need to be perfect. There is no perfect and you'll never achieve it. So yes. you're just going to spend your whole life trying to. And I think that's a problem. I mean, with everything, not even just your parents, it's like your friends who you're around, colleagues, like if other people are always saying, oh, I need to be on this diet or I need to be doing this thing, you're going to start kind of internalizing it. Like if they need to be on it, like do I? Like you are what you surround yourself with. So how did you come out of the modeling like unscathed and not like I'm not enough? Like, yeah. (laughs) I am lucky in the sense that I, well, my parents were like, you know, you we don't want you to pursue modeling full time. Like you definitely need to go to college. And that was something where, and I always wanted to, so it wasn't really like a fight. I went to college and I loved it. And I kind of started transitioning what my goals were for my career and what I wanted to do. Um, and I ended up going to work in tech and do all this stuff. So I feel like, yeah, do you work for, for Google? Me, did I, I did. I worked for Google. Yes. Amazing. <laughs> I loved working for Google. Um, it was awesome. And it really, it just gave me a totally different sense of purpose and work. Like, when your work, especially when I was that young, is all centered around your body, your body image, like it really does affect you. Um, but after, I think probably after I graduated college was where I started to feel a lot more just very like secure in what I was doing. And I had my career and all of these things. So it, I would say like college and like in between the end of high school and college was probably the hardest time for me, um, just with all the modeling stuff and then just college and not being very healthy and all of that. And then after college, once I started really focusing on my career and having like goals and things I was working towards really hard, I feel like that's when I started to rebuild myself, confidence, my self-esteem. And so when I did meet my husband, I feel like I was honestly at a very good place. Yeah, Like I had already kind of been through all that stuff. So I wasn't with him when I was going through it. Uh, But then that's also a different story because now you know, he does, hasn't been through that with me. So it's like, oh, I kind of have to explain my past. And we met when we were like 24, I think. Um, That's, funny. That's so when I met my like, husband. I was yeah, 24, and, exactly and like, the same age. <laughs> okay, let me like explain to you kind 
kind of, you know, what's happened to me before because it's a lot of things have happened, right? And your whole life has kind of happened and now you're just meeting them. Um, and so that's kind of when we met, which was great, right? Because I was like, oh, you know, I'm feeling good. I got my job. I like, I have my good friends. I'd cut out anyone who honestly was bringing me down or anything. Like, I feel like I created this great little group of friends and then you introduce him and his life which is awesome. And I loved him so much. Like the second we met, we hit it off right away. Um, you mean? We met, so we met through a mutual friend. Um, my friend was dating one of his friends, like brothers. It was kind of like a weird, yeah. connection. <laughs> um, super random. And my friend was like, let's go to Houston. And she convinced me to go for a night and go have dinner with this group of people. And that was the night that I met Alex. So he ended up being friends with that friend group. Um, and he just happened to be there. And I was like, oh, who is that guy? Like, he's so cute. And she was like, oh, that's Alex. Like, I think he thinks you're cute too. Like I got a text <laughs> from so-and-so that he thinks uh, you're cute or something. And I was like, oh, no way. And then like, he came up to me uh, when we were out that night and just started like talking to me. And I think we talked for like four straight hours. I didn't have a single drink. I didn't, um, do any, I didn't even want to, I didn't really want to be there because I didn't like going out at the time. And I was just sitting in the corner with him. We talked for like four hours. And I remember him telling me like, give me a chance to take you on a date. I was like, oh, I don't know. You know, just I'm not really in the dating mindset right now. I'm so I've got this career. I might be moving, like all these things. And he was like, no, seriously, like, let me take you on a date. And I'm not kidding you. I mean, we like moved so fast when we were dating that I think within a year of that day, we were engaged. Wow. Like it was very fast. And he was already playing, like he was already playing baseball. He was already, so he was already playing. Um, he had not signed with Houston yet. Um, his five-year contract. So I didn't even, I didn't know this at the time because I didn't understand baseball (laughs) or like how it really worked. Um, But he, I guess, had been playing, he had already won a World Series, but he was a rookie. So he had already kind of experienced that fame um, that I hadn't been around for, right? So I was living my totally separate life, Austin, Tech, San Francisco, like nothing to do with this like, uh, Houston and baseball. Right. And so I had never, I didn't really know what that was like. So I kind of met him. I think I met him over a year after he had won, but it was still, you know, it's still like a lot of hype around it and, um, the fame and the spotlight and all of that comes with winning the world series as well. Um, so I do remember at the very beginning, someone trying to take pictures of us talking when we were talking in the uh, the first night we met and I was kind of like, that's so weird. Like maybe that's kind of random. Like, I don't know. And then when we went on our first date, we had like five or six people come up to the table, um, and start talking to us and like asking questions and like took a picture, asked if they could take a picture with him and include me. And I was like, Oh, it's okay. Like I do not need to be, it's a first date. It's kind of weird to like (laughs) photo. Um, and I, and I remember I was like in the back of the photo and it was like on Facebook or something. And I'm like, this is crazy um to me for like first date but that was really like my first introduction I was like okay like this is going to be a little different um yes. and challenging and I and to finish what I was saying earlier I feel like the going into the spotlight I guess you could call it like through him and through baseball and through kind of moving to Houston like that presented new challenges with self-worth, self-esteem, like all of those things, because, you know, like I'm sure, you know, people have something 
to say about yes. everything. And yes. so when you are in, when you are in the spotlight and when you do go out and do things like it can be talked about and it will be. And so you kind of have to be prepared for what people are going to say. Um, and I remember at the beginning, I got a lot, a lot of hate and it was really hard for me to deal with at the time. Cause I was like, wow, I just came from this place of feeling so secure and having yes. my whole life mapped out. And then suddenly it's like, wait, I'm, I feel like I'm being taken back to modeling days and people are like you're not good enough like this yeah. is not right what kind of hate like what were people like- saying more squats and margaritas in a moment now this hi everybody this is adriana trajani i'm the host of you are what you read i have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now we get everybody from sarah jessica parker to Kristen hannah mitch album Susie essman craig ferguson Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Now back to squats and margaritas. I got like some, a lot of messages with like photos of me that were like, my eyes are X out, my teeth are like black, blacked out, like profanity written above my head. Wow. Um, just like, Stuff like that. And then just hate messages. People telling me they're going to find me at the games. They're going to find me on the street. They're going to like, like there was like some pretty intense things that happened. Cause they just um, didn't want you with him. They, like nobody's so. good enough. Like anybody he dated, it would have been. Yes. That's what I think. And that's at the time you don't think that, right. You're like, wait, it's me. But at now looking back, I'm like, okay, definitely it was anyone he would have dated because he was single at the time. And I think people perceived him as the single guy. And it was wow. like, Oh wait, now this new person is being introduced, but she's so new. And I and think it beautiful. was a and it trigger. It like made people want to just take you down because <laughs> you're a beautiful yeah. girl. You had what they wanted. I think about like the divine timing of when you met, like yeah. you were, I mean, I guess healed, like you got through that stuff and had you met him, it's so I, I relate to it so much because I was still in the mess. And yeah. when we would go out to dinner, I write about this in my book. Like it, he was just coming off of a Pro Bowl season. Like he was the man, obviously, like he was single. Um, we would be out to dinner and I would be feeling a little bit confident. And then I I knew it. I would see someone spot him and they'd come up and I feel like it was always women and they were always beautiful yeah. and thin. And I would go in my head. And like for the rest yeah. of the night, I was like, he probably wants to be with them. Like he's probably like, why am I even here with her? And it didn't matter what he said to reassure me. I was, I didn't have self-worth. So I expected him to just let me down. And I would go into the like crazy spiral of like finding the message boards of where groupies would go. And we'd been dating for like a year. And I was like, well, I don't know what he's doing. Like I, I couldn't see what he was doing with me. So I'm like, there has to be something. And I would type his name in that message bar every day to just make sure. And I would find some things and I would call him on it. And he'd be like, you are upset. Like stop. And I can't even believe, I mean, we've been together 18 years now. I can't even believe he went on to marry me as obsessed (laughs) as I was, but it was because I didn't have self-worth. And when a girl would come up, I'd be like, that's it. Like he's thinking about her. Like I should just leave. Like I wanted to break up with him so that he wouldn't hurt me. Like I met him at the same part of his career, but I didn't have the confidence. And so that, that stuff almost took me down. (laughs) No, I mean, mine definitely wavered after I met him. And I think that the issue too, that you don't realize when you're in it is that it comes from you. They or anyone else is not going to give you self-confidence. They're not going to give you self-esteem. They're not going to give you your worth. Like no one's giving that to you. You have to have it from within you. And that's where like, 
I think people get it wrong because we look for outside things to kind Validation. of validation. Yeah. Yes. And it's like, we don't, you don't need that. And once you realize you don't need it, you become very powerful because you know, you have it in you. Right. Yes. And then you're not worried about anyone that comes up to them because you are so secure. And that takes so long to, it's not easy. Right. It's like, that's why if it was easy. We would all feel that way, but it's yes. not easy. Um, it takes so much work and effort and time. And I can't imagine in your position meeting him in that state because that is such a fragile mm-hmm. state to be in. And it's so easy to, you know, fluctuate your mood or kind of have something kind of just set you off and trigger you and just send you into that spiral that it's definitely tough. And I think that's the side that people don't really see. Like yeah. you see the cute photo of you guys out on a date night, I'm sure, <laughs> during that time, right? Yeah. You just see that. And you don't see like the behind the scenes story. The, or... yeah, wishing, please don't see him. And you see him, yeah. you're like, oh, it's done. Like my whole night is over. I, right. I'm never going to get out of my head. And right. for you to find this at your age, like I just found, I mean, my confidence, I, like 40, maybe a year ago, like I was, and after I had my kids. So yeah. I was still just like, I lived so much of my life, like not realizing my worth and my value and for someone to find it earlier on and like know what you have and find that worth like and not I don't know it's like I almost feel this is like a big overshare but I seriously feel like because I didn't feel worthy I I look back at my life like maybe I was attracted to him obviously we're married now but like because he was a famous athlete and I think back like in college I played uh college soccer and -hmm. when my career ended abruptly like I quit and I had no worth I was attracted to the star basketball player and I wanted to date him. And it was like, I was always looking for my validation through this other like famous, important person. And now I'm like, I can't, like, I see my value. And it's like, is that why I was gravitating to these like important in quotes people? Because it made me feel validated. And that is such a self-aware thing to realize. Like, I don't think anyone really thinks about that, right? Or like (laughs) realizes it, right? It's not until way later that you end Mm -hmm. up reflecting and you go like, oh, wait, was I seeking validation from something else? Or And that totally makes sense. Like seeking it through someone who has that like success that you kind of thought maybe you would have, you know, like you would maybe get to one day or maybe I'll be that star player, but Oh, since I'm not, I'll just kind of, I'll be shiny because they're shiny. I'll just stand by them. <laughs> exactly. I'll be next for them. Right. So I want to get into yeah, like mom life is up. So you guys get engaged and you get married uh, during COVID. Yes. <laughs> we meet, we get engaged within like a year. We get married 10 months after. Um, oh. and this is COVID time. So I'm starting to plan our wedding and I am getting like questions like, Oh, well, what about like COVID? And I'm like, Oh, I thought it's going to be over in a couple of months. Cause that's what we thought at the beginning. What Everyone thought <laughs> it was going to be over in a few months. And I remember we, us running out of the spring training house. I mean, we literally left at 2 PM to drive back to Houston from Florida because we were so worried that like the state borders would get locked down. Mm-hmm. That was when that was a thing. And everyone was all worried about. So we drove home and I remember thinking like, wow, I don't know if I can plan a wedding. If we're worried about borders of the States being closed, that mm-hmm. seems kind of, I mean, what if this is bigger than they say? And then kept happening, kept getting delayed. And then finally, we're like, you know what? We're just going to do backyard wedding at my parents' house. Um, They had a huge lot that they just bought right next to their house. So we, I mean, set up the whole scene. It was like a little tent, like almost like a glass looking tent. Mm -hmm. We just did the ceremony, walked across two seconds, and then we went into the reception. (laughs) And it was awesome. Like we loved our wedding because it ended up being small, but mm-hmm. it sucks to not have 
all of your friends there and people that you really wanted there, but we had our close, close family and that was good for us. And we just, I mean, we really liked it. We were just focused on getting married. We were like, we want to get married. So love that. we're going to do it anyways. How do we kind of make it work? We actually tested everyone. We have like a COVID testing center at our house, <laughs> which was crazy. I mean, um, it was like a whole thing. I'm going to yeah. bring us to sweet baby Knox, who's yes. nine months old. Nine months. Yeah. When did you find out you were pregnant? Um, I found out I was pregnant right before we went to a Vegas trip last off season, not this past off season, but the one before, mm-hmm. but I guess that would have been about a year of being married. Um, yeah. Cause we got married in December and I found out in November. So it was like right before our one year anniversary, I found out I was pregnant. Um, and it was a shock. <laughs> I was yeah. going to start trying a couple months later and I'd already, <laughs> I kind of found out early. Um, and it was right before we went on a trip to Vegas and I was like, Oh, you know, I'm going to go all out last off season. No oh. kids. Like it's going to be so fun. We're going to like drinking at all these concerts and gamble and whatever. And the, I spent the whole trip running away from cigarette smoke at the casino, oh. and obviously not drinking and not anything. And I was so tired. I was like falling asleep so early because I just couldn't hang. I was yes. like, exhausted and pregnant. And you're probably still exhausted because you have a nine month old. <laughs> yes, exactly. I just permanently live tired. <laughs> Let's get into motherhood. Um, yes. What is something that you wish someone would have told you beforehand that you had to learn on your own? <laughs> oh but you're like, God, why didn't like anybody say this? So many things about birth. I don't yeah. know if I can get into that one here. Oh yeah, you like can get into it. I'll, I'll share mine. Mine was when you nurse afterwards, your uterus goes back down. And I was like, what is this? It was like, I felt like I was in labor again. They're like, oh, your uterus is shrinking. I was like, no one told me that those cramps, every time the baby nurses are just as bad as like labor cramps. Yes. I had the same thing where I was like, I was like, I think I'm having contractions again. (laughs) In my head, I'm like, there's no way. Is there another one in there? There's another baby in there, right? Like, and I I knew I was sleep deprived and like a little bit crazy. I was like, (laughs) I am having contractions. And I was looking at him in the thing and I'm like, am I losing my mind? Like maybe it's mental, right? From like birth, but no, No, it was not. I don't think I realized how much like blood therapy. Um, And then like, same like with the stitches and like, going to the bathroom. Uh huh. That was not fun. Um, that whole, like, I think I blacked out the last, like the couple weeks right after. Because you have like, to, you have to, if so you want bad. more kids, because you're like, I remember thinking, well, that I'm never doing that again. Like, thank God I had a baby because I, I will never do that again. I but literally thought the same thing. And I thought, you know what I thought? I was like, I don't know. I think I was like, people must be crazy to do this twice. Like this is absolutely crazy that and now that he's like nine months old i'm You're like ready <laughs> how they do it twice <laughs> you forget do it again yeah well did you push forever like did you have did you end up, end up having natural birth i did natural yeah i was very fortunate and i had a very fast labor like i got wow. to the hospital at two and i had him by seven wow and so like five hours and i didn't feel pain for the first maybe two hours so like it was three hours of like the pain but my epidural did not work. Mine did with my second. It took with the first. It did not with the second. What did you end up getting another epidural? I laying down. I couldn't even get up. Like they had okay. to find the guy and he had to run in and like for 15 minutes when I, my water had already broken. I was in like the worst of it. They yeah. were like, we're trying to find him. And he ran in and did it like with me laying down. And I'm like, I'm probably going to be paralyzed because you have to like stay so still. Yeah. But I didn't even care. I was like, shoot it. 
Yes. I did not care either. I was like, give, give it to me. Like I will bend over just whatever you have to do. I remember I ended up getting um, like a painkiller at the end too, because I was, I told them, I was like, I am, I was eight centimeters. Epidural's not working. I'm like, I am oh. in so much pain. And like every contraction I'd like shut in my ass. And I'm like, can uh-huh. someone please go get the epidural guy, the anesthesiologist. I like, just bring it back in here. And like, I need to tell him what's happening. It's like, I, I still feel everything. And so they finally gave me some pain medication and another epidural. And then I didn't feel anything mm-hmm. at like really not much at all. I was worried so about that. Yeah. Yes. Cause you're like, how will I know how to push if I don't right. feel anything? I mean, I definitely felt enough to push. And I remember my doctor came in she's like, I think I'm going to run home and then I'll be back. Um, <laughs> because she lives like five minutes away. And I was like, Oh, like, are you sure? Like, I feel like I'm getting <laughs> close. And she was like, all right, we'll do like a practice push and see. Turns out I do one push and he starts coming out. Like oh. his head comes all the way to the bottom. Oh my God. And we're like, all right, it's time to start pushing. And I had him within like, I don't know, like a couple minutes. It was crazy. Wow. I was so happy that it was quick because I don't know how you did it for now. Because <laughs> like what's the alternative, right? I mean, you can't be like, well... And she just is going to stay because yeah. I'm not doing this. <laughs> she well, I thought about now. that. That's funny you said that. I thought about that when I was pushing. I was like, the only way out is through. I remember <laughs> thinking that in my head, like the only way to get this baby out and to stop feeling this pain is just through. Mm-hmm. But then the second they come out, you stop thinking that. And I you're know. like, I have a child. Like he's here in front of me. I just started like bawling. I was like, uh, I can't. Uh, we also didn't know the gender. It was the yeah. best thing that we did because it was like, it never, I always say it, which is terrible, yeah. but I didn't have an identity associated with our mm-hmm. baby yet because it wasn't a boy or girl. And I couldn't really envision like the name, like usually someone you'd identify someone so much with their name. And it's like, I couldn't see any of those things. The room was pretty neutral. You know, I just, it didn't think, see it as real. And so when he came out, it was like, Whoa, he not real know. boy. Like I'm envisioning <laughs> my whole life Mom. suddenly. And I'm like in tears, like, my husband too. We're just like, Oh my God, like this is the coolest thing ever. So you kind of forget right about that pain situation. (laughs) You do. You forget about the pain, but then other things kind of creep up and you're kind of like alluded to it. Like you're like, baby, like I'm a mom. And I know Mm -hmm. we both kind of have touched on postpartum anxiety. You don't know, is this normal? Like, is this just what you feel? But for me, it was like now I am responsible for this life, like this tiny little life. And it didn't hit me until I was on a plane. More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. Guys, we're moms. We're not out on the town every night anymore. We're chasing our toddlers through our kitchen. But there are those times where you want just that little extra something. Maybe it's a girl's night, a wedding, a date night, a work event. If you're looking for that little extra confidence boost, you need Rejuvalift. Rejuvalift delivers dramatic results to minimize the look of lines, wrinkles, crow's feet, those 11 lines that I have between my eyebrows. I use it on the bags under my eyes. Guys, it works in four minutes and delivers results up to seven hours. I've tried it. I'm obsessed. And now Squats and Margaritas listeners can get 20% off at rejuvaliftbeauty.com using code margaritas. That's R-E-J-U-V-A liftbeauty.com and use promo code margaritas. You need this in your life. Shipping is free. You get 20% off. 
Go to rejuvaliftbeauty.com. Now back to squats and margaritas. My husband, when he retired, he started coaching college football and he was out in San Diego. And my daughter, I'd say maybe she's three months old, like infant daughter, still wearing her. And yes. I, I was like, I remember I write in my book. I was like, I got on the plane and it was fine. Let's get in my seat. It was fine. They closed the door to the plane and it was not fine. Yeah. Like my whole body, it it wasn't that the plane was going down. Like that was not a thought. It was just all the scenarios. Like if everyone stands up, how am I going to get her off? Like I started feeling claustrophobic and panicky and like hot. And I just looked down at her. And the only thing that saved me, it was like, I am the only person that can care for this baby. Like I can't go down. I can't lose my mind. There was no one else. So I just looked at her, but I had never felt like that in my life. And for a while after we were, when we would fly and they would close the door, I would just like, and I'm like, I've flown thousands of times. I've never, but a therapist was like, it's anxiety, postpartum. People talk about depression. And I was like, I didn't feel like I wanted to hurt my baby or all these things, but it was postpartum anxiety. And you dealt with that as well. Yes. And another thought on that is that you hear about depression, right? And you hear about depression and anxiety together, but you don't hear that much about anxiety on its own. And Mm -hmm. I just, I guess I just had never heard anyone say postpartum anxiety. Like I've never, I'd heard depression, but I hadn't heard anxiety. And and, and I had anxiety before I've been depressed before, like previous times in my life. So I was like, in my head, I just thought, this isn't it. I'm just wanting to protect my baby. Mine was buildings falling over on him. paintings falling down and light fixtures falling down. So things you've never considered in your life, like falling down. And now that is taking over your life. (laughs) Never once have I thought about a light fixture ever. Like I've never even thought about that. Right. And like all of a sudden I'm taking my stroller and I'm avoiding, I would avoid even regular, like the descent light bulb, like the ones that kind of go like you said, you just, yeah. How they go in, you know, they could fall. Yeah. Like (laughs) I I would avoid it with my stroller and I would like, look, and I would never put him by, I mean like this, I would never put him by painting. Um, I was always worried about the crib. So I pulled it away from the wall because just in case I wouldn't change him by the mirror. Like I was and the building thing was even worse. Like big buildings just gave me Oh, like hives. <laughs> like I was like, were I, you like telling your husband and other people that not to take the baby by the thing? Like, did other people notice what was happening with you? So I really isolated myself. Oh, like the yeah. first four, my mom came over and I had some help to come over and like some people helped me out. And that they probably didn't fully know. Like my mom didn't fully know. I ended up telling her like two weeks later, but I told my husband first, this was like a week after I gave birth. And I was like, Hey, like, I started bawling, crying. He was gone. He left for an eight day road trip the day I got home from the hospital. So I call him like a week after and I'm like, Hey, like I'm freaking out. Like buildings are going to fall on him. Like what if like, and I would, I told him, I said, you like, you need to be wearing a seatbelt all the time when you get on the team bus, like, and on the airplane, like I was like, Oh my God, are you wearing a seatbelt? Like I was going nuts. Like, yeah. I'd never really thought about that before. I think he's very a generally responsible human. Like he can figure out what to do, right? Like with his safety yeah. on the bus, on the plane. <laughs> but in my head, I'm like, I just need to tell you just so you remember, because you know, you're really important to his life now. Like oh. you just, it just, and you just go nuts. And I remember calling him. I remember him telling me, he was like, you just love him so much that it's like making you worried. And I was like, I know. And he's like, and I don't think he understood postpartum anxiety either. But me and him were like, and I was like, okay, like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. But it kept happening. So I go to my doctor's appointment and she's like, you know, tell me, are you experiencing any depression? I'm like, no, no depression. Like I actually feel good, but you know, I'm a little worried about 
things falling on him. She's like, what do you mean? And I was like, you know, like buildings and like this building, like that we're in, is like freaking me out. It was really tall, <laughs> really high up. And I was like, and you know, paintings and the lights. And I just started kind of going on and she was like, okay, I need you to hold on. Like talk to me more. So I talked, yeah. I told her everything. And she was like, this is definitely postpartum anxiety. Like yeah. I'm going to recommend you on medication. Like this Same. is I'm- not normal. And yeah. I was like, okay, now I see it. But before I just thought I'm being a protective mom. Like you don't are, right? have like, anything to compare it to. Yeah. You're like, yeah. this is a mom. This is my life now. Like I have to make sure nothing falls on him. And nobody right. talks like that, that you are just going to help so many people just sharing that. Like people yeah. would be like, Oh my God, I felt the same way or something. Or they said medication. And I was like, cause there's a stigma. I I'm yeah. on Zoloft to this day that was prescribed for postpartum anxiety, but it just made me a more leveled out person that wasn't so like all the time and and say it, like say it out loud. And I feel like it is need. Like sometimes it is needed. I, I will say though, I did not take the medication. I was prescribed it. I actually, and I don't know, I don't like always sit telling people this because I don't want to discourage breastfeeding, but I stopped breastfeeding and it really re-regulated my hormones and made me like, so much more relaxed. And mm-hmm. that's why I kind of like, I mean, I'm glad I'm saying it here because I hope other people do hear it, but it's like, yes. I was doing so, so much. And like the perfectionist in me was coming out and I was like, I got to clean this stuff. I got to, you know, do the breastfeeding. Like I've got to do it as much as I can. And I still, to this day, believe it's the best food for a baby. I just don't think it's, it was the best for me because I think having a sane mom is more important for him than anything else because I've got to be sane. Yeah. But Reagan, look at like our society, the shame, the fact that you were just like, Oh, should I say it? Like, that is how much shame mothers could like, yes. I didn't, I took the medicine and I, I didn't nurse like you, right. there's so much shame. And it like, it's such a standard that we hold moms to. And yeah. until we have conversations like this, everyone's going to feel like they need to live up to that. So right. God bless and, you for sure. No, and I think it's okay. That's like, now I'm like, and this is another thing we're in the moment. I mean, yeah. when, before I gave birth, I was like, oh, I won't be worried about breastfeeding. I don't care. I'm not, I'm going to do what's best for me and the baby and, and whatever I can tolerate. And that's it. When I had him, the story changed. Now yes. it's like, you know, you hear at the hospital, like you have to give them the breast milk. Like you must, like it's, you need know. to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, okay, okay. I'm trying and trying, but then you start pumping and it's like, now there's all these parts and then they must be cleaned. Then there's a bottle with five parts. That has to be cleaned two times, like every two hours or sanitized. Yes. Like you're boiling. It's it's a lot. And then you've got to sterilize it. Yes. It's like all of these things. It's like, oh my gosh. Like, and then people are like, oh, but make sure you do this, this, and this. And it's like, wait. And oh, and get sleep. If you're sleep when the baby sleeps. (laughs) Sleep when the baby sleeps. When the baby when do I wash the bottles? I'm like, when do I wash the bottles and sterilize them and wash the pump parts and get a new pump when my thing or get a new flange thing? I'm like, I forgot about those. Oh, I know. I'm like, it's not, there's no suction. They're like, do you have the phalange thing? And I'm like, I don't know. And then you see this little tiny part that's just effed up your whole life because just because that's not there, the pumping is making the sound, but it's not really suctioning because the phalange thing is not there. Exactly. And that's why I was like, okay, when does this... And I remember thinking like, this is too much for a human. Like this is just, it's so much on one person. So I'm like, okay, I've got to like sit down and break this down. Like, what do I realistically need to do? And I remember sitting there being like, I'm just going to try to start weaning off of breastfeeding so much. And I'm going to just do a couple a day and I'm going to do my formula and whatever. In my life drastically, I just felt this like weight come off. And I was like, okay, 
I can breathe, I can focus. And then truly I felt like, I mean, I stopped worrying about anything falling on it. So I was like, Oh, I think I'm going to kind of lean into this because me being all like jittery and freaking out about the building and never taking him in a car because that's good Lord. That was so dangerous in my mind. I'm like, I couldn't do it. And so I'm like, in order for us to kind of live our life again, and for me to be sane and happy, I had to make adjustments to that, that like you said, society doesn't always view as good or right or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, I'm like, you do what's best for you and your baby, because that is the most important thing. Right. And you're, you want them to have the best life. And I feel like that part of that is their caregiver being sane, sane, happy, and able to have energy to take care of them, have fun with them. So like yes. now when I look back, I'm like, oh, I would do it all over again. I would do yes. everything the same. The next kid, baby, I'll at least I'll be a little prepared, right? I hope. Yes. And maybe a first time mom is sitting there nursing, listening to this and like, maybe, yeah. maybe that is what could help her. But right. people say they share the the correct, the professional right. advice. And no. it's like, there's someone that's right now, like I took the medicine, nothing's working. Right. And maybe that could work for them. So right. as long as you share these things that work for you, right. like you're, that's how you're going to help other people. And you have been able to like get your life back. And now you make Knox a part of that life. Like a lot of people that wrote in, they were like, how do you balance all that things? And it's yes. like, you make Knox a part of how right. you are living. It didn't change a lot. And that, that is another thing that is not always acceptable, right? Like some people are like, Oh, your baby can't come to this or this or like at the world series. Yeah. People are like, wait. And Oh my gosh, I got a lot of people telling me like, Oh, he looks exhausted. You're keeping him up the pet to the oh. crack of dawn. I'm like, he doesn't even remember now. And he got plenty of sleep during that entire time. And he now when he's like, yeah, when he's like 15, he's going to be like, oh, I was at the world series. Yes. You know, it's like, I, exactly. I know for a fact And then at the time, I remember being like, am I doing something wrong? Nah, I think I'm good. Right. And then now I'm like, we're good. I know I'm good. People are so triggered because you are living the life. Like you're at the World Series watching your husband holding your brand new, beautiful baby. You have this beautiful family. So people have to like throw rocks at it because they're like, oh, it's triggering. And you are so self-aware that, you know, it's their issue. That's another thing that I've learned in the last, I would say, year. Like it's other, it's usually other people's own Mm-hmm. I don't know how to word this right. It's like other people's perception or everything they've been through in their entire life is kind of reflected in their thoughts and opinions on things. Yes. So people will give you an opinion on something and it's not about you. It's about them and their past experiences. Yes. And it comes from something totally different than you. So if you can kind of separate yourself from that, it makes it really easy to not think too much about what someone else, I guess criticizes about you or thinks about your life or comments on you. It's just a little bit easier to be like, okay, this is coming from something that happened to them, not anything that has to do with me. Right. And I can take it a step further. Like it's, if someone has the thought to come at you, like, or say something negative, it makes you like, it's so cliche, but hurt people, hurt people. It makes you think like that person, no person that's content and happy in their life is going to be like, Oh, give me this. I'm going to go for her. Like, so you, you think like, Oh, that person really must be sad or struggling. And so now I'm like, Oh, that was really mean, but that poor person. Cause if you're happy, you would never say something like that. You wouldn't even have the time to think it. And you definitely wouldn't have the time to type it out and post it on public forum or whatever it is, if exactly. it's Instagram or social media, it's like, you just wouldn't do that. Cause you know what it's like to feel not worried about bothered about that. And you just would never go and yeah. do it. Right. Because exactly. you're not, 
you're secure in what's going on with you. And so I think that's another, I mean, I know people too, that struggle with hate online and it's, it's hard to deal with a lot of the times. I think people take it really personally, but once you like what you're saying, once you do that and believe that, like you stop taking it personally and you start realizing, Oh, it's not me. It's something that happened with them. And when you come to a place of just like self-acceptance and self-love, which I literally just found like at 40, when people would say things before it was because I didn't have confidence in myself. And so as soon as whatever somebody said, I was like, yeah, I know. Like I would just be like, I am, or like my writing. Like I, when I wasn't confident, I first started writing and it would get like picked up by like bigger outlets and uh, more people would see it. That's more people like scary mommy or something like that. Then people would say things. And I mean, it would just destroy me because I didn't love myself. And I was like, Oh God, yeah, I shouldn't have said you're right. Like I, but once you love yourself and you just have that acceptance, it doesn't affect you anymore. And it took me so long to get here that I'm like, it's their stuff. Yes. And I think it's also a good, almost like signal to yourself. And I even notice this now because I'm like, definitely not done with my work on myself at all. Right. (laughs) It's like, there are new things every day or every week that pop up where it's like, Oh, like a little comment or a little remark, like kind of got to me. And that's always my trigger to go. Trigger's not the right word. That's my no, sign yes. to tell myself, why did that get to me? Exactly. And like, how, right? Like, how do I sit here and like figure out what it is that I need to work on? Because if it got to me, it's because I either already think it a little bit. Yes. Or maybe that's an insecurity that I have that yes. I don't want to become, right? Like, if someone's like, oh, she, I don't know doesn't dress right. Or I don't, I don't know. I'm thinking yeah. things that I've got before, just like yeah. something really negative that maybe I had already thought or something. Yes. That's if when it, someone comments it, that's when it gets to you. So it's like, okay, let me, how do I do the work to kind of like, not let's happen again. Right. So right. <laughs> and it's constant. It, it, I, for me, it doesn't, I mean, I feel like it's not ending anytime soon. It's like, it'll no. keep going as long as more things come up. And I also, I want especially right now, I have so many exciting projects and things I'm working on. And I'm yes. starting to see this kind of new career for myself. I'm working really hard with that and with putting yourself out there and doing all these things because like comes more criticism. Well, criticism, comments, opinions, hate, whatever you want to call it. Like that yeah. just comes with it. And so I think I'm like, you know, what? I'm just going to keep putting myself out there. And that's, I have to accept that that will come as a result of it because mm-hmm. I mean, I still want to do the things, right? Like I still want to, I get it, you know, write the articles and I still want to do the meet, like do the shows or do all that stuff, but you have to kind of, I don't know, accept that you're going to get it. <laughs> exactly. That comes with it. And speaking right. of like these exciting things you have going on, that was a lot of the questions that came in. Like, how are you balancing all of this? And that's basically why I did squats and margaritas. It was like finding yeah. the balance between starting a brand, being a mom, being a wife, the yeah. guilt of like, you're not showing up in one place enough. How are you balancing that all also being in the public eye? I think I don't feel like I'm balancing it all. <laughs> to be honest, um, You're like I'm not, that's the I'm answer. not, I mean, that's like the honest answer. Even when I saw that on the thing, I was like, man, maybe I should talk more on my stories about this, but I feel like it's day by day. Right. So like a certain day. And if I go and like co-host a show or I go and I'm out all day and I'm working and I have meetings, you know, and I get home, even I'm like, Oh, I feel guilty that I like missed yep. what happened today with my son. But on the reverse, I spend all day with my son and cannot get a phone call in because every time I go to do a Zoom or a call, he starts to cry like it's like clockwork. Like he knows I'm 
going to do something else. Yep. Even if he's content playing, he's like, no, 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 mom. Come back. <laughs> and I can't get the phone call in. And then I'm like, oh, okay, like this is kind of hard because I don't, I'm, I want to do these. I want to have a career too. And yep. so I'm like, it's never really that perfect thing. Like, I think I end up looking back over like now and I'm like, wow, I'm glad I, you know, started to work again and started doing things. And I'm glad that I am trying to kind of figure it out in terms of like, okay, I'm going to plan out time with my son for this many hours. I'm going to make sure each day I have this amount of time and that I spend it hundred percent with him. And that's been my biggest thing right now is like, when I am with him, I put my phone down and I'm like a hundred percent present with him. And I'm like, that's the best I can give him because me being on the phone while he's sitting there is not even good for him either. It's like, it's me kind of all over the place and I'm trying to do 10 things at once. So trying to kind of like segment it out to where it's like, okay, when I'm with him, I'm hundred percent with him. And then when I do leave and when I go to work, I can a hundred percent like focus on what I'm doing and try not to feel guilty about, but I still do, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I need your advice on this. I'm like, how do you not feel oh. guilty when you also want a career, but there's no way to have the career without leaving them for a little while. I have the answer. More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this, now back to squats and margaritas. You probably have a ton of her toys, Melissa and Doug, huh? that toy brand. I talked to uh-huh. Melissa. Yeah. Um, her name is Melissa Bernstein. And I was like, even when I was just talking like you were, and I still feel the same way that you do. She was like, what? And I was like, yeah, like I'm talking to you. And there's a little boy standing there going like this. And I'm like, one second, buddy, one second. She's like, yeah, it's not one second. It's what mommy is doing is important. And when you go and show him that he's the most important, and that's, I will say it. I'd be like, honey, this is, you are the most important thing. Mommy has work, but you're the most important. She's like, no. And it was such a reframe. I was like, what? And she was like, no, you show him what mommy is doing is very important and mommy helps people and you are very important too, but this is what mommy's doing. And she's like, and you make him a part of it. And she's like, especially your daughter, don't you want her to have something that she's passionate about? And she sees you doing it and you stop and are like, Oh no, 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 this is nothing. You're my, like my favorite. And I'm like, I, it was such a reframe for me. And I was like, Whoa, like, yeah, she's, I said, I'm showing her, no, this is not important. She's like, no, you say what mommy does is important. And her biggest thing was transition time. She was like, I would go into like New York to do stuff for Melissa and Doug, but I lived in Connecticut. So the train, the train ride was like Melissa at work. Then there was a train ride. And then it was Melissa Ma. She goes, even if you have to like, just go for a 15 minute walk, there has to be a transition time between Aaron is working and then Aaron is a mom. And my transition time was literally, I would turn off the microphone. I would walk out that door and it was mom. She's like, you're missing right. the, there has to be a time where, or you're going to have the guilt. Cause you're like kind of still right. there and kind of here. She's like transitions. And you tell them this is important. And you are modeling what, what they will want. They want to see you doing those things. And if you're always right. like, Oh no, no, no. And stopping what you're doing and saying, it's not important. She's like, that's not the message. You should listen to that episode. Right. Like she was so, she was like, no, yeah. she has so many kids. I it was love like, that. Yeah. She goes, no, you, it's a reframe of like, this is important and you have to have something for you or you are not going to be the mom you want to be because you're just always mom. And then when you come back from doing the other thing, you miss them and you like are more excited and you're like, I'm like the best mom ever that I could ever be because I have so much energy for him. I just can't wait to like change change that diaper and like get those clothes on. I'm like, I'm so excited to do all the things that when you do them all day for 24 hours, you're like, Oh, I'm exhausted. Exactly. You get that little kind of almost like a break 
in a way, but you're doing something else that's so fulfilling to you. And then you get to go back, which yes. I totally agree with. And to your point, I texted a couple of my friends after I had him and I was like, how do you do this? <laughs> I want to work, but like, how do I do it? And like, how do you like figure out like how to have someone help you? And also how do you figure out how to get your work schedule and how, and especially with my work, cause it's very, it's not nine to five. It's like no, right. all these different events and all these different things and just different timing. So I'm like, how do I make this work. And I remember one of my friends, she sent me like a really long voice note. And one of the things that she said was kind of what you said. It was, you know, she's like nothing. If you want to stay at home, like I all power to you, like you should do it and do what makes you feel fulfilled either way. If it's staying with him and not working or if it is working. And she said, but if you do work, I, she has a daughter and she was like, I strive to show my daughter that when she gets older and she has kids, she can pursue something that is fulfilling to her. And she gets to watch mom do something that is fulfilling and have this career. Right. And love that was my thought too. I'm like, yeah, like, and that was one of the things that did encourage me to kind of keep pushing to figure out how to, you know, make the scheduling and everything work. So I'm like, wow, this is a lot to try and, um, kind of organize, but I was like, okay, I really want to do it. And I am, I do want to show my son that like mom can do stuff too. Right. And I think in the case of me and my husband, my husband does a lot, right. My husband has a full fulfilling career and he's got side businesses Mm -hmm. and all these things. And I'm like, I want to show him that, you know, I can do those things too. And especially when I have a daughter, right. Cause a daughter will usually like that. They can also have children and kind of experience what we experience as women. And so I think showing her like, Hey, mom did this too. Not to say it's not, hard and has its days where I feel like I do not have it figured out. But I mean, it definitely the overarching theme and like goal of like doing it is really like what drives me to keep going. So I'm like, I want them to see, you know? Yeah. And you're fulfilled and you don't want, I told my husband, I just wanted to be a stay at home mom. And I meant it. I didn't think I would do anything. Like I I didn't see any of this coming. I never was going to share any of my like stuff. So there wouldn't be a career and there wouldn't, but like when I wrote my first book and shared it and found like a community of women that like I'm supporting and encouraging, I started walking into like my purpose and I told I'm not going to stop, but it was an adjustment because I said I was just going to be a stay at home mom and mine's retired now. And he is kind of like, having to do a lot more with kids. Cause now I'm doing speaking stuff. And he's like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. This was not right. what we talked about. And I'm like, it wasn't a bait and switch. I right. did not know, but I am so fulfilled. I can't imagine now, now mine are in school. I'm like, what would yeah. I do? Like, I'm not yeah. going to just like, hang out. I was going to tell you too, like, just, just inhale those snuggles. Like yeah. my, my boy is almost five and he's still, and people say this will always happen with their mom, but he still is so cuddly with me. But it's like, I, he comes up now and I'm like, well, like, I remember when he was like, Knox, like just yeah. like, just breathe it in because I, I had yeah. this grown man, like this little curly man that just, he still is obsessed. Like he'll be down in the basement with his dad and be like, um, hold on dad, one second. I'll be right back. And he's like, where are you going? And I hear him. He's like, I'm going up to tell mom that I love her so much. I'm gonna give her a hug and a kiss. I'm gonna come right back. I lo- I'm going to cry. <laughs> comes up and he's like, and I'm just already ready. And he's like, I love you mom so much. You're the best mom I ever seen in town. He has like all these things that he says, he's like the best, but like, I, I snuggling him is he's still there at four. I don't know how long it lasts, but like, just, I, I miss like that little infant oh, that you have, like just, you just got me so excited too about when you, you will love you day. so much. Like oh. my daughter and I kind of butt heads. She's seven. Um, but it's just like a different dynamic, like a son with their mom, like he 
is obsessed with me and is it, no shame and being like, I love you so much. You're the best mom I ever seen. <laughs> ever seen in the town? I ever seen in town. I ever seen in town. I'm I, cannot, I don't know where I got it. But I, I wanted to say it forever. And you're like, like I don't care. You just keep saying it. It's just so <laughs> loving. We covered so many things. Um, are you allowed to tease what may be happening or coming up with you work-wise? Yeah. I am working on some really fun collaborations with my athletic wear brand. And we're going to launch some things, I'm hoping, around the postseason. Ooh. which will be really, really cool. Yeah. Um, working with a much larger brand that I met recently and where I get to like help design some of these things. So I'm very excited about that. Oh my God. Um, but yeah, that's like the exciting news. Let's end it with like a, a mom that is building a brand. Do you have just something that you were like, moms aren't doing this? Or like, or you see a mom preneur, something they're doing wrong that you're like, stop doing that. Or there was a tip that you got or something that really made something stand out for you that you could share like for other moms. And most especially for me, because I need the answer to this as well. Yeah, no, I have a little advice. Um, I think for me, one, don't do it all. Try to get, and there is a thing called Upwork. You can get people to help you out just yeah. for hourly on little tat, like things that you would take you three days that might take someone else two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, really view it as a business, right? Like what you would do if you're a CEO. And then also in marketing, the most important thing that I'm learning now mm-hmm. is storytelling. Like that is it for social media, everything. Like no one wants to see another product that looks similar. You know what I mean? It's just like, even with athletic wear, it's so hard to stand out in a competitive space. And I feel like telling the story behind the brand or behind the product or why you created it or what it's good for. And even like really getting to like who you're targeting, like, Hey, like this is for the mom who does not have enough time to put on a bra and a shirt. Like you just need to throw on a freaking an, a mm-hmm. set. It's good to go for the day and you can move and you're not uncomfortable and you can pick your kid up and also put them in the stroller without like your buttons, like pressing into your stomach <laughs> on your jeans. Like here, like this is kind of why I created this. Right. And yes. just kind of like telling the story. I think that for me with small business is like really important because it's hard to stand out and compete against other, those big, like large businesses that are um, in the market today. So I think those are my top two. I could seriously talk to you for the rest of the day. I, I could um, talk to you for like 10 hours. I just want you to know. We just I'm have like... a show of Aaron and Reagan talking about the thing. This was so much fun. And I seriously cannot wait to see what you do next. Yes. Thank you. This is so fun. I love, love your podcast. Huge fan of it. I just wanted to let you know. I like, I really love it. I've even, there's things that I've heard that I'm like, that is like what I needed to hear, you know? That was the nicest thing anybody's ever said to me. Thank you so much for listening to the Squats and Margaritas podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of Squats and Margaritas.